Welcome to Two Old Ladies Walking on a Trail. But actually today we are starting in a car. So we're really two old ladies sitting in a car about to walk on a trail. We are testing our new microphones to make the listening experience better for you listeners to cut down on the wind and the swish, swish, swish of our clothes and make sure that we both sound uh, equally uh, accessible. Although here. you might actually hear me sniffling and snuffling as I'm a coughing asthmatic. Yes, you might hear a little <laughs> extra this time from each of us. But today we're walking on Walkway Over the Hudson, which connects Poughkeepsie to Highland, New York. And it really is a beautiful um, experience because it's on a, a bridge that is high over the Hudson. Join us. Oh, I have my nice gloves. Oh, we're starting? Yes, oh. we're starting. <laughs> I didn't realize we were actually starting I can our edit walk. that part out for you if you want. No, no, no that's, that's fine. fine. Keep it. It's unedited, unscripted. And uninterrupted. <laughs> so we're going to hear a few extra people today because there's a lot of people walking on this bridge. It used to be the Poughkeepsie Highland Railroad. We're just going to let that e-bike with its radio go by before we say anything else. Rock on. <laughs> Rock on. Um, this, I was doing some reading and this railroad actually opened in 1889. And um, there was a fire on this bridge in the 70s, and that's when they closed it. Well, that makes sense, 1889, because the railroad and the train are representative of industrialization. In fact, if you think of trains, they become essential when the nation industrialized so that you could have the distribution of goods from factories to people. And so late 1800s would make sense that this rail railroad was built. But I will just say, it's an absolutely gorgeous day in New York today. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, and it's really not freezing. It's a very pleasant right. temperature. And we're passing a little truck that's selling local apple cider and cider donuts, and there's still quite a few changing leaves on the trees, which is really nice, even though it's November 18th. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's really pretty. And I, I will say that I, you know, that little truck was so cute, but as you know, I have high cholesterol. I cannot have the apple cider donuts. Liz has been religiously vegan. Since, religiously uh, vegan. I like that. About a week and a half now? Yes, a week <laughs> and a half. But remember, I had been a vegan for five years earlier returning in my youth. Returning to veganism. I'm returning. Say. The return to veganism. Returning to vegan two, the sequel. <laughs> returning to vegan two. The first time for noble reasons. The second time to not drop dead. So we're, we're approaching some bathrooms now, which make us very happy very. being two old ladies. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need one. Two old ladies with weak pelvic floors. <laughs> yes, pelvic floor health is a hot topic in medicine right now. There are several of my clients have actually asked me to write separate web pages just for the treatment of pelvic floor uh, disorders, they call them, but really they're the norm. They when you hit a certain arm. age. <laughs> it's so true. And if you come to the walkway over the Hudson, which is located in beautiful Poughkeepsie, New York, you will notice that they do have these bathrooms at each end of the walkway. It's a really long walkway across the beautiful Hudson River. And the bathrooms make it so much more pleasant because you can drink a large iced tea and not worry. Right. And, you know, we got very excited about the porta potties we saw on the Ashokan <laughs> Rail Trail. But these bathrooms are regular bathrooms with heat 
and flush toilets and lights and sinks. And um, on the other end of the trail, they have a beautiful statue to Sojourner Truth. Oh, that's true. Who lived in this area. And Sojourner Truth, of course, the great abolitionist and the great advocate for women's right to vote, who gave her famous speech, Ain't I a Woman? One of my favorite people in American history, Sojourner Truth. What was the... Um what were some of the key points you made in that speech? Oh my goodness, it was so brilliant. So Sojourner Truth is addressing the issue of why women should have equal rights and equality. And we have a uh, green vehicle. There's a truck vehicle. going by, hold on. <laughs> a green vehicle is passing. And in the speech she says, essentially, that people give arguments as to why women are the inferior uh, sex and the arguments such as, you know, that they can't do this and they can't do that and therefore they, they, they can't vote. But Sojourner says that she has worked as hard as a man and she could eat as much as, uh, as a man and she could do as much as men were asked to do or she was required to do because she was born into the human rights violation condition of slavery. And she says... Um, that nobody ever carried her over puddles or made her life easier, and ain't I a woman? So in other words, ain't I a woman? You're saying that these stereotypes about women are true, but I've broken those stereotypes, and ain't I a woman? Um, that was That's really good to know. You had me at I eat as much as a man. I eat like a man. <laughs> I can eat like a man. When, when she says I can eat as much as a, as a man, when if it's available. <laughs> I can eat as much cheese as a man. No, <laughs> I can't eat any cheese. No, that's true. We shouldn't talk about cheese when one of us can't eat the real thing. It's like a you could cheese, only eat cheese. vegan cheese, cheese with a Z or... <laughs> cheese with a Z. Dr. Phil once said, cheese with a Z is not cheese. No, no. He's right. It tastes good, whatever it is. You can have oat cheese, oat, oat milk cheese, that something like that. But pelvic floor, though, we were talking about Kegel exercises. Yes. And uh, I always thought it was pronounced Kegel. But, you know, I was a French major, so I'm like franglicizing <laughs> oui, oui. it. Kegel. And then my... I actually said that to my gynecologist, and she answered with Kegel, as if to correct me gently. Like, yes, Kegels are good. Now, I just have to interrupt here, because now we're actually walking to the part of the walkway that is actually over the Hudson. And as we're approaching it, it really is kind of magical, because it's almost like you're being lifted off of the ground. It's so gorgeous. It reminds me of um, the beautiful monastery in Carmel, New York that has the largest Buddha in America where you walk up and suddenly you see this magnificent Buddha. Here, when you walk out of that area with the bathrooms and the vendors and you're actually over the Hudson, it really looks, you feel as if you're being lifted off the ground to this realm of beauty. It is really pretty and I was reading that it opened in 2009 and um, I think the first time I was on it was probably later than that, like 2014 or so maybe. But um, we've ridden our bikes over this couple times. And uh, what's nice to know, if anyone is out there listening as a cyclist, this joins um, on the eastern end with the Duchess Rail Trail 
and then it joins with another rail trail in Highland um, that uh, I'll figure out the name uh, when we get to the other end and look at the map. But you could ride from Westchester County all the way to New Paltz. Oh, I love New Paltz. Including this bridge. Yeah. And New Paltz, we will one day do a walk um, on at Minnewaska, which is one of our favorite state parks. Right now, again, we're being magically lifted above the Hudson. And we're not quite over the river yet. We're over the many homes. Can you hold this for me? But it is really just absolutely, it's just gorgeous. And there are fun facts as you're walking across the bridge. But back to the pelvic floor exercises, <laughs> having given birth naturally twice, it really is so important to strengthen that pelvic floor because um, gravity, time, and children <laughs> can, can impact it. That is all I have to say on that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I thought I was immune to these issues because I had two C-sections, but my sister, the gynecologist, informed me that having a eight-pound, thirteen-ounce baby and an eight-pound, six-pound baby were enough to cause some uh, pelvic floor issues later in life. So there you have it. And now the wind is picking up because we're actually getting closer to the beautiful Hudson River. Now I'm hoping our microphones work because we have our little, uh, there's like windscreens on them. Oh, well, we'll so, find out. If we'll not, we'll have out. to re-record when we walk back yeah. and hold the this phone. This is a great place for people watching. We're behind <laughs> a, a couple. A woman is wearing lavender yoga pants. And in front of them is a family with a small child and somebody in a stroller and you'll see cyclists and the first time I came cross-section of life I think to the walkway I had um I came with my sister my sister and her husband and our and my kids and my children were young and it was a very hot day in the summertime it can get the temperatures really get very um the temperatures rise obviously and one of my children refused to walk any further and I said well, at the time? oh my god one was like nine and one was 13 and the youngest said it's too hot it's too hot I'm not walking it does get hot up here <laughs> and I was like well you don't have a choice we can't just stay in the middle of the walkway but um in the summer it can be hot it's true but it's still just gorgeous i think any temperature any time of year it is magnificently worth it and best of all it's free yeah it is free and there are parking lots at both ends um the one we parked in looks like it was just you know the remains of a quarry that were dumped and leveled out oh there's a very irritable dog that i'm staying away from the one that we parked in was from the dystopian movie the hunger games yeah and then if you then we found the paved lot but you have to pay you would have to pay for pavement you pay for pavement as a pavement but, um, ooh, ooh, this is really windy. Oh my goodness, you know I have cold phobia. So what did you think of our uh, spag dinner last week? Well, as our listeners know, once a year you, for, over for, for 40 years now, gather with your um, fellow RAs from University of Rochester, and it was in Rochester. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed every moment of it. First, um, 
I enjoyed this. <laughs> if I'm pausing, it's because I'm going into hypothermia. It's freezing it's over this Hudson. Oh my God, it's so cold. In short, I had a great time. Yeah, it was nice. I think when we took our walk in the morning, we weren't sure. We knew there were some surprises ahead during the day. We knew we were going to back to campus, but the day started with a nice lunch at the Genesee Brew House with a view of the High Falls in downtown Rochester. Oh, here comes another e-bike. This one has a dog on it with a, with a real rider. <laughs> the dog's not the dog. The, the dog has sunglasses. But he was pretty close. <laughs> and is riding his e-bike at 50 <laughs> miles per hour. Pedestrians be damned. <laughs> and then we went to, uh, we did go to campus. Uh, I took, took Liz and um, my kids through the tunnel system under the quad at University of Rochester. And it was amazing having not been in that particular area for 40 years that it um, came back to me and we went in one end and popped out the other and the whole point was it was so cold up there uh, that you're never if you know the tunnels you're never outside for more than five ten minutes tops so, it was a really nice um, visit hey surprise was that our tour guide who was former student at the high school where um, one of the people in the group now teaches uh, gave our tour and he was a yellow jacket which is the men's acapella group and uh, when we were waiting in the optics building at the end as shielding ourselves from the cold the yellow jackets popped out and gave us a private concert and if you haven't heard them you probably they're probably on youtube because they were in some uh show um like acapella sing-off years ago not this particular group of guys but the the yellow jackets of the time so that was really nice i think that um sitting there with everybody in our spag group and listening to this private concert was kind of a highlight of the weekend for me well i just want to interject here university of rochester is absolutely beautiful but i do want to give a shout out to my alma mater SUNY Binghamton, State University of New York at Binghamton, where I attended undergrad and graduate school. And uh, just to recognize all the wonderful universities, public and private, that serve to educate and elevate people. So now we're going up a little rise here. And now we're still not quite over the Hudson. That's how massive this walkway is. Yeah, we're still is. over Poughkeepsie, and we're approaching now the waterfront. We're actually over the train tracks. Now we are getting to the actual water, and the wind is really picking up now. But it's so pretty. And the Hudson is, of course, a massive river that is such a part of American history because it was used before the railroad. The Hudson was the artery for transportation and commerce. But let's talk about lighter things. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a lighter topic that we could discuss? Well, one of the things, uh, this is the first year in my history of 40 spags that I didn't have meat. And I think we had talked once before about um, growing up, I used to, my mother used to make this dish called kippenea which is a Lebanese dish of ground lamb, onion, and spices, vulgar wheat, and it's served raw. It's like, this, I would have this vision, probably I might have been 
four years old and the height of our, maybe three years old, was like the height of our coffee table. And um, seeing this big plate of raw meat <laughs> and thinking that looks really good <laughs> and having it, you scoop it into fresh pita, but you warned me that I could get mad, mad lamb disease. Mad lamb disease. I, and I be. thought to myself, there's no such thing as a mad lamb. It should be noted that Kippenhay is now illegal in 50 states. <laughs> <laughs> but she did stop making it at a certain point. I said, Mom, what happened? Like, I used to make Kippenhay, and she's like, oh, I started to hear about the safety of raw meat, and I thought it wasn't a good idea. I don't think she made it after, like, 1970, 71. <laughs> I definitely don't think it's a good idea, and listeners, I would advise you not to eat raw meat. But when tea. I went to Jordan last year, they served a giant tray to our group with little blobs of kibbenea on it, and I, um, I was told by the one vegetarian in the group that my meat consumption was... Um, I don't want to say admirable. What word does she use? So anyway, she just acknowledged how much meat I was able to consume at the time. And I had this belief that, you know, whatever wasn't getting eaten, I needed to eat. <laughs> but um, I don't miss it. Well, that is good that you don't miss it because, as you know, clearly a diet high in meat is just fundamentally a unhealthy diet. But um, I do miss bacon. <laughs> but I can live without it. Oh my goodness, that wind is really blowing. You know what? I'm going to drop back for a second. Liz is going to draft off me for a while. You're welcome. But we can do this with our new microphones. So I think we're in totally different locations. Before we Rosie. had to uh, both share Rosie. access to the hear me? phone. <laughs> what? It's okay. I'm still talking. I see, I see you talking and. I'm like, Rosie, I thought you Rosie. were drafting off of me. I no, no, they were. I got want, behind the wind. They have a beautiful dog, and they want to keep a certain pace, but they want to stay on their side. Well, I will say on a completely unrelated note that we are going into Thanksgiving, and that um, we have a nice vegetarian dinner planned for Thanksgiving and uh, children coming to visit. I just would say that for people on the ho during the holiday season, some people are really happy and enjoy the holidays, and for other people it can be a very lonely time of year. Um, but I've always felt that people overemphasize the holidays and that um, it's important to, to keep them in perspective, that they should be enjoyable, but also they're just days. They're not... I'm not talking about religious things, but, you know. I think I've always liked Thanksgiving because it's the one that everyone celebrates here in America. It's not religious. There's no gift-giving, gift-buying required. And uh, it's one that we all share. So um, that's always been nice. And, of course, the focus is on eating. <laughs> is, well, maybe the focus is on gratitude. Oh, yeah, gratitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah gratitude. <laughs> and then eating. And then gratitude for eating. <laughs> gratitude. Well, and then that's eating true. gratefully. It's funny that you say that because my sister always, always likes Thanksgiving best, too. 
because she said it's the one holiday where you know gift giving isn't the focal point the focal point is being with people we we love and appreciate but also on gratitude and so what is something that you're grateful for as a old lady out walking on the trail <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for i mean it's trite but i really am grateful for my health um I mean, we all have our issues but you know for me being a medical writer i'm writing about write about some really horrible diseases and some really life-threatening situations and I've interviewed people that have overcome life-threatening situations and families of other people who haven't been able to beat their disease and it just makes me grateful to um, to be to be healthy and to have my um, children be healthy to have you be healthy and your children and um, that's just the first thing that always comes to mind, but I'm also grateful for them all coming together this week. And we have a big group for for our dessert buffet at my sister's house in Connecticut this, this year. Um, and I'm glad our group has grown. It's just, um, you know, uh, your daughter Jessie is bringing her boyfriend and my daughter Nina is bringing her boyfriend. And, of course, uh, Quinn is coming, and who's my oldest, and uh, what did we say? There were seven of us all together? I think so. Converging on my sister's house, so. And, um, you know, we grew up with a lot of people in our house for the holidays, and with my parents gone, it's nice to still have a lot of people. So, I think I'm... What about you? I think I'm grateful for friendly, happy people, shiny, happy people, like the song. <laughs> um, for me... Uh, as I just retired in July, I've had some really good fortune of meeting lots of good people who do good things. So I volunteer at the food pantry. I'm really grateful for the Interfaith Food Pantry as it provides food to people in need. Um, and it's open once a week. So I'm really grateful to be a part of that. I always feel so positive and happy after I volunteer there, knowing that it's making a difference and that it requires the work of many volunteers to make that difference. I, uh, I also am grateful for Bible study at the church where I've met some really brilliant individuals. I'm grateful that the other day when I went to support the senior center's craft sale that I met a woman I knew and that there is a knitting group on Wednesday mornings at 10 and I was welcome to join the group and it's always great to knit with people who are much older and more accomplished because they show you things in knitting they can teach you specific skills in knitting but I think you know really I'm grateful for sunshine and food and health but I'm also grateful for the communities that bring goodness to the world and how we can all contribute in little ways to make the world a better place. Sounds good. When you were talking about knitting, it reminded me of uh, my home economics class in high school, where half the year we were sewing, half the year we were cooking, half the year we were sewing. And I went to make a pair of tennis shorts because I was playing tennis, but when it came time to edit the pattern to bring it in a few inches, I was supposed to bring it in 
was supposed to bring it in an inch or a half an inch, and I brought it in two inches. So when I sewed the shorts, they were too small. And I didn't want to get a bad grade, so I just told the uh, teacher that when it came time for the fashion show, what we had sewn, I couldn't participate because I'd gained weight since then. That's lying. <laughs> That's <laughs> and she said, you can be the narrator. <laughs> so I was the narrator, the MC of the fashion show, which was only in our own classroom. <laughs> but um, otherwise, they would have seen somebody walking down with a <laughs> zipper wide open. Shorty shorts. <laughs> shorty shorts. Jotsy in her shorty shorts. <laughs> <laughs> too short, too narrow. But uh, learn the lesson. I. Uh, it's so funny you share that story because. I think today there are fewer opportunities for young people to learn crafts, but crafts are so important on so many levels. It's important, you know, one, for the practical part of like being able to sew a button that falls off and not having to pay a tailor for that. But it's also important because crafts are this like wonderful way to relax. Uh, for those of you who don't knit, I highly encourage knitting. It is just a, such a wonderful uh, uh, way to <laughs> reduce stress. Um, when I, I went to a, a group this week, and there's a woman who makes these dollhouses for adults, like these gorgeous dollhouses for adults. And there's so many ways to like use your whole body in, in a creative endeavor. What is that high pitched noise? say it's a rail railway you're hearing that oh my it's goodness it is really cold on this walkway today <laughs> yeah, i agree though that you know in europe um there's a lot more knitters and i remember interviewing a researcher yes at a, a research center in new york city who started a knitting group with other researchers and they donated their their wares to the homeless so and important. she was telling me because she was from Europe especially like Scandinavia that they learn it in school and they all know it they all learn it and if you take a train in Europe you see you'll often see young people knitting much more so than you see here yeah it's true and, uh, my grandmother used to crochet and she made blankets and then um, she made me a red poncho when I was probably in fourth grade that I just loved. Hats, of course, but later she made little baby sweaters with matching hats and booties for all of the grown grandchildren to have for the day that we eventually had our own kids so that even after she was gone, which was in 1996, we had these um, little sweaters and she gave us different color ribbons to put through them depending on you know uh, what we she just made them white and we can personalize them any way we wanted you know uh, for our babies which is really nice I think that is really beautiful and it makes me think of my mother my mother learned to knit in middle school in the Bronx a shout out to the Bronx and Arthur Avenue best Best what? You should go there best, because of all the Christmas best, decorations. <laughs> cholesterol Cannoli, pasta, cholesterol cheese, all the foods. things you can eat. Wait, but anyway, <laughs> but she learned to knit during the Great Depression because in schools, as part of the war effort, children would knit squares that could then be, um, you know, connected or sewn together 
to make quilts for the soldiers. Hmm. So they all learned how to knit to support the war effort. That's kind of cool. Isn't that interesting? And so she then taught me how to knit. And then the years passed and I didn't really practice. And by the time I really wanted to learn how to knit, she had sadly passed away. And as anyone who knows me knows, my mother is was a saint and the most perfect, I think this is typical of Italian Americans, the mother love. But, um, but in any event, I learned, and I have to give credit to the Better Homes and Garden uh, website because they have a great free website to teach people how to knit. So um, Better Homes and Garden. Is it garden or gardens? Oops, now we is have it a power plural? drill. <laughs> I don't it's know. Better Homes and Gardens, plural, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I have to, and this, great this episode of Old Ladies is sponsored by Better Homes and Gardens. <laughs> Learn how to knit for free. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so anyway, um, but it's really easy to knit because knitting is basically making knots. You're just making a series of knots. And sailors used to knit. It was primarily mm, for men back in the day. That's a good point. I didn't know because that. They, yes, it was a very male activity knitting because on the open sea, there was a lot of monotony. And so knitting was a way to relieve the monotony. And you weren't dealing with uh, the pain of scurvy. Well, I, they <laughs> figured out oranges and limes. And, <laughs> to, I didn't know that about the sailors, though. That's kind of cool. Do you know, like, did they make a certain item more often than others? You know, that I don't know, but I did read that, like, we tend to now classify crafts along gender lines, but we know that gender is just a mental expression of an inner experience. And, um, but knitting really was often associated with sailors. So, and I can see why, because even though knitting, when you're knitting, there's a lot of repetition in the you know, are you knitting? Are you purling? Are you increasing? Are you decreasing? Are you casting on? Are you casting off? But the activity is, I don't know what it is, but in terms of why, but I think it uh, activates the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system in the brain. It's very calming. It makes sense. I'm sure uh, that would be kind of an interesting thing, not that people could do it to knit in a functional MRI machine right? <laughs> and see like, which parts of the brain were being activated. Oh, All Rosie, right, hold wait. on, take a break while this truck passes okay. again. No, it's a different truck. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to say this, though, because we're walking over the Hudson, and I think we have to have a, a, a moment to remember the great folklorist and environmentalist responsible for cleaning up the river, Pete Seeger, Mm -hmm. So in the 70s, when I was a child growing up in the area, the river was so polluted that you couldn't swim in it. If you even put a toe in the river, you'd get a rash on that toe. It was so polluted from chemicals that had been dumped into the river by factories that were located on the banks of the river. And Pete Seeger, the great folklorist who lived up here in this area, decided that we had to clean this beautiful river, this beautiful treasure of American history, and thanks to the Clearwater Foundation and other organizations, the river has been restored to vibrancy. Uh, plant and animal life has returned to the river. People can swim and boat in the river. So thank you, Pete Seeger. And how remarkable that as I'm finishing that, we're coming to the statue of Sojourner Truth, another great New Yorker in American history. Yeah, we've reached the other end of the uh, bridge. I wanted to add that there's a new children's book out my friend's daughter produced, uh, her name is Carly Cheriff, C-H-E-R-I-F-F, -F, and it's about Pete Seeger. 
and how he cleaned up the river. Beautiful children's book. Here's uh, the statue, we're standing the statue in front of Sojourner, Sojourner, Truth. Sojourner Truth by the sculptor Vinnie Bagwell, 2020. And we have over here a little um, placard for Sojourner Truth. Uh, many people know that she took the name Sojourner Truth because she was a itinerant preacher who would spread the truth, sojourning, moving, traveling, preaching. And we have a quote by her here. We are now trying for liberty that requires no blood, that women shall have their rights, not rights from you. Give them what belongs to them. Good, good quote. Her name was, according to this, Isabella Baumfrey. Yep. Born uh, in uh, Ulster in County, Ulster County where we are. which is, yeah, just... Um, from Gypsy. So this wraps up another episode for us. Um, I thought this one was is a little bit harder to just spontaneously have our chit chat because there were so many people around us and um, vehicles. I, I don't think I've ever seen so many vehicles on this bridge. I mean, they're little vehicles, but I didn't expect them to come by. It's nice to see everybody out walking, but it's definitely um, not as uh, as quiet as when we're just on a rail trail together. What did you think? I thought that it, the same, that when it's just the two of us on a trail, it's a little bit easier to have more interaction among ourselves. But I think because we were both so concerned about not being run over by an e-bike or by one of those ATVs or whatever that... Um, that we were a little bit more um, having kind of independent monologues instead of a dialogue. Yeah, but, yeah. But you know, safety first. And it became a little more like uh, a little education about the Hudson, which isn't a bad thing. Um, it's so important, you know. But every every episode uh, that we have will have its own uh, flavor. Yeah, and I <laughs> but think speaking of flavors, yeah, uh, we hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Yes, and also I would just say, you know, it really is magnificent, the walkway over the Hudson. If you are in New York, please be sure to visit the beautiful Hudson River and the walkway because I promise you, you will feel elevated and lifted from the mundane and brought to something quite magnificent. So happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, it really is wonderful. Have a great week, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.